Do you guys have traditions that you do around Christmas time? Yeah, I, I mean, everybody does, right? Uh, years ago, Gene and I started this little tradition. Uh, oh, I do want to take a poll. I've heard this word pronounced differently this year than in other years. Do you guys say nativity or do you say nativity? Who says nativity? Who says nativity? You see, I, I don't know where this nativity came from. Uh, you guys that have started this, it's like a new trend now. You got Russ saying it too. That's uh, crazy. But, uh, but we have a nativity set that Gene's mom actually uh, made for us years and years and years ago. I think it was like our first year married or something like that. Um, and it's really cool. And all these little figurines, and they're ceramic and all that stuff, and we set it up different places, you know, usually next to the tree or near the tree. But in recent years, we have like a little special table for it or whatever. So, and as the years go by, I don't want to touch it. I mean, this thing's 30-something years old. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't touching it. I, I'll drop it. I'll break it. I'll do something. There's like 10 different figurines and stuff, and the baby Jesus, I'm not doing it. So that's Gene's deal. But what we started to do a few years ago, quite a few years ago now, is wherever we set it up, we have wise men and camels too. Guess where we put those guys? We put them right, no, we don't put them right now. We used to years ago, but we put them east, wherever east is, compared to where they're set up. Because you know that the wise men weren't there at the birth of Jesus. I mean, they came a couple years later. Uh, from what most documents can figure out. We're going to talk a little bit about that timetable here today. So yeah, we keep them over to the east, and I talked to somebody this year that what they do is they do the same thing, and then like every week they move them a little closer <laughs> and move them a little, so that on Christmas Day, they're there with, and they've come from the east. And they know that's not timeline correct, but that's what they do. So I think that's awesome. So if you never thought about that, I'm going to take a poll next year. Okay, how many people with nativities have the wise men in the east? And all you guys are going to raise your hand. I know it. Okay, let, let me jump into Matthew. We read Matthew 2, 2, where we get our, our title for our series, Come to Worship. I just want to do like a little recap from last week, and then we're going to springboard into this week. Matthew 2, 9 through 18 is where I'm going to be headed. After they had heard the king... That's the wise men. They went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. I'm going to stop right there for a second. That's what we talked about last week, if you remember that. If you weren't with us last week, go ahead and listen to the podcast. Um, we, they, we were overjoyed, and we talked about overjoyed being joy upon joy upon joy, exceedingly, abundantly joyful, joy upon joy. And we also talked about, isn't it some Christians these days, they're underjoyed. And what we need to tell those people is, hey, put a smile on your face. Put a smile on your face so that we know that you're joyful. Tell your face that you're joyful. That's what we said last week. Tell your face that you're joyful. Verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw a child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we talked about that as well. After being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. 
And so today what we're going to do is we're going to continue on with the story. We're going to talk about when they bowed in worship. We're going to talk about that next week. That's going to be our final message in the series about the wise men bowing. But today I want to read a part of the, of the Christmas story that a lot of times we, we skip over. We just kind of glaze over it a little bit. And you might be wondering, why do we skip over part of the Christmas story, Bob? I don't understand that. Am I missing something here? Well, the reason that we skip over this part is because it's not away in the manger. It's not joy to the world. It's not those cute sheep and those donkeys and the little baby Jesus there in swaddling clothes. It's, it's not that. It's, it's a frightening part of the story. It's a tragic part of the story. And there's a lot of anxiety filled in this part of the Christmas story. So let's keep reading and you'll see what I mean. Verse 13, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and the angel said, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And we're going to skip on to verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi or the the wise men, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and younger in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So that's where we kind of get our timetable about the wise men. Now this is the part that's really difficult. Then what was said or predicted through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard from Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel, and and Rachel is just, see, the word or the, the person of Rachel signifies all the women, Jewish women, like Jacob would signify Jewish men. Rachel signifies Jewish women. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because... They were no more. You see why we skip over that part of the story. That's a tough part. That's a really difficult part of the story to talk about. It's terrible. And it, and, and it makes us ask a lot of difficult questions. Why would God allow Herod and his henchmen to do such terrible things to, to innocent children? Why would God tell the prophets, Jeremiah, and predict this and then not intervene and make sure it never happened? These are questions that I can't answer. Nobody can answer these questions. There aren't any good answers. You know, when people go through difficult times, we try to come up with some answers, and and a lot of times we we do our very best, but there, there aren't answers in a lot of these difficult situations. You know, sometimes we say, well, God needed them more in heaven than on earth. You know, that's a nice little sentiment. That might make a nice Hallmark card, but that doesn't help the pain. It doesn't take away the pain that people are going through. And the whole thing about now they've turned into angels, that's a whole <laughs> theological thing that doesn't exist. You hear that all the time. <laughs> But if we're, going to, if we're going through our own pain and our grief in this season, you might be asking yourself a similar question. If you're going through something difficult right now, 
How can I worship when all I feel is pain? I mean, that's our series, Come to Worship, but maybe you here today, it's difficult for you to worship because of the pain that you're going through. All of us in this room are in different places. Some of us could be joyful and triumphant. And so for you, pouring out your heart in worship to God is really easy today for you. And that's good. That's good. Some of you, maybe you're in this just bland, this vanilla place in your life. Not that vanilla is bad. It's a good flavor. But you know what I'm saying. This bland, just existing kind of place in your life. You need to pour out your heart in worship. And maybe for some of us, we're in that difficult season that I was talking about a minute ago. Maybe the season is difficult because you feel very alone. Maybe you've lost somebody close to you within the last year. Maybe a spouse. I don't know. It's difficult. Others, maybe you have a bad medical report and it's a difficult season for you. Some of you, you, you know, you're trying to buy gifts, but maybe the resources aren't there for you to get what you really want to give your children this time of the year. It's, it's tough. It's a battle. Maybe some of you are dealing with difficult relationships. I know that this time of the year, that can really bring out the ugly in, in family dynamics or just other relationships too. And maybe for some of us, this time of the year brings back bad memories. You know, my dad passed away uh, back in 2001 and, and he died the day before Christmas. Now he had battled with Alzheimer's for a couple of years leading up to that. He actually lived here in Great Falls and Gene and I cared for him for the last couple of years of his life and then he went into Park Place Nursing Home. And so I think about that every year. And, and now it was a blessing because Alzheimer's is a terrible, terrible disease. If you've ever known anybody that suffers from that, it's, it was a blessing that God took my dad. But, you know, I think about it. It's tough from time to time. And you may be asking yourself the question, how the heck do I worship when all I can see is pain? That's a fair question. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us how the mamas and the dads of those children healed. We, we don't get to know that part of the story. We don't get to know the process that they went through and, and the circumstances and, and how God helped them out and walked with them through all of that difficult time. But there are a couple of people in the Bible that that walked through difficult times. And, and that's the people we're going to look at today. One of those is the psalmist David. And we've talked about David quite a bit from different perspectives over the last six months. And, and we're going to see David and read some of the psalms that he wrote because uh, he wrote many of these during deep, dark, long-suffering times in his life. He, he knew what suffering was like, King David did. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Psalm 122 or 142. I'm sorry, we're also going to have the verses up on the, on the screens for you. But uh, a lot of our apps, you can make notes and stuff too. And so you might want to highlight a couple of these. Psalm 142.2 says this, I pour out before him my complaint. Now that's David just being totally honest. I have a complaint, God. And so I'm just going to pour out my heart to you about this. Before him, I will tell my trouble. 
He's being raw. He's being honest with God. He's complaining. He's telling God his troubles. Notice that he's not saying, hey, God, you're so wonderful and awesome. No, he's saying, God, my life's difficult. I'm in a tough spot, and I want you to know about it. And then verse 5 says, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Now, did you see how that changed from 2 to 5? Verse 2, he's pouring out his heart to the Lord. And that's great. If you've never done that, it's very good to do. God understands your pain. God knows your heart. Sometimes we need to verbalize that out loud to God. God, why am I going through this right now? It's okay. We can say that. We can be somewhat angry and frustrated with the situations we find ourselves in our lives. But I love it that David then comes back around and he says, I cry to you, Lord. You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. You see, he's declaring truth. He's not feeling it. I mean, a couple verses before was some pretty raw emotion. He's not feeling it in these next two verses, a couple verses later. But he's crying out. He's pouring out his heart to the Lord. He's saying what is true, even though he's in a difficult spot. Even though he's not feeling it, he's declaring what is true. Remember that word refuge. Psalm 62, 8 says this. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. God is our refuge. It's interesting that in both of these Psalms, David talks about pouring out his heart. He practiced that a lot. He practiced pouring out his heart to the Lord. And then he calls it because you are my refuge. God, you are my refuge. If you're taking notes with us today, write this down. When I pour out my heart to God, I find my refuge. When I pour out my heart to God, I find my refuge. We know that sometimes in our knower that God is our refuge. But sometimes in the midst of a difficult situation, we need to pour out our heart and find that God is truly our refuge. The word refuge is really interesting, and I want to give you a little context from what, where David was coming from. Back in the day, there were cities of refuge, and there were six of them in, in David's time. Some of them were in the kingdom of Israel. Some of them were in the kingdom of Judah. And what these cities were designed for, and, and I don't fully understand everything around here, but I, I do know that these cities were designed for people who were accused or who accidentally committed manslaughter. I don't know how you accidentally commit manslaughter, all right? I mean, I mean, these days, you know, there's vehicles and stuff like that that could be an accident. I don't know, maybe there were donkeys back then that fell on people. I, I don't know what's happening. But there were these cities of refuge because outside of these cities, there was something called a blood vengeance. Eye for an eye. You could do that. It was cool. If somebody in your family was killed accidentally by somebody, you could go and just kill them. No problem. 
they wouldn't be arrested, eye for an eye. But there were these cities of refuge, and so that's where David's mind is going. David knows, hey, there's these cities that you can go to if you accidentally something happened and somebody died. You know, I was talking with a couple just this morning about watching this show from people who were convicted of crimes in the 80s and we didn't have good DNA, but now we have good DNA and so a lot of them are being proven that they were wrongly accused. That's kind of what we're talking about here. So in order for the family not to take vengeance against you, you could go to these cities of refuge and hang out. Now, there was some parameters. You had to be put on trial. It wasn't like you just got a, a, you know, a get out of jail free card. I mean, there was a process and if you were found innocent, then you were to stay in this city of refuge. So there were some parameters there. It wasn't all just, hey, yeah, I, you know, I'm sorry, it was a mistake or whatever. But, but it's interesting that David talks about refuge because he knew about these cities of refuge. Makes me think of children sometimes. I don't know about you. Did you have a safe place when you were growing up? I did. I used to hang out in the closet sometimes. I take my little flashlight go in there, read. Man, it was cozy, right? Well, it was a little uncomfortable sometimes. I had to make some room. But you put blankets in there, put some pillows. You know, it's my own little my own little place. I don't know about you. Maybe you had a blanket that brought you, you know, some joy or something like that. I know a lot of people have blankets. Well, Linus, one of them from the Peanuts cartoon, right? <laughs> or maybe you'd like to hide under the bed. That was your place. That was your safe place. Or maybe it's a person, maybe your mom or dad, you just felt really secure when they were around. They were your safe, safe person. You know, we had a wooded area behind our house, and we called it the fields. It was basically the area that wasn't mowed between the two, two streets and the two backyards. And it was quite big. I mean, it was, it was pretty big, but they were just fields. And there was one spot that I'd always go to. It was kind of in the bushes and stuff, and you could crawl in there, and then it kind of opened up in the bushes, and it was, it was a cool little safe place. I used to hang out there and play all the time. Or maybe a safe room. I know of people that have safe rooms in their house in, ca- in case something happens. It's interesting, though. Place of refuge, a safe place, safe room maybe for you as a kid. Here's something else in your notes. When I pour out my heart to God, I find my safe place. When I pour out my heart to God, I find my safe place. Just like David, I can come to God and I can pour out my heart. I can be honest. He is my safe place. He is my refuge when things are going crazy in my life. Now, here's two things to think about when you pour out your heart. It's a two-point message today. Number one, remember God's faithfulness in the past. When you're pouring out your heart to God, be honest. Let it rip. But also remember God's faithfulness to you in the past. Psalm 42, once again, David, starting with verse 3. Now, David is fleeing from Absalom. Absalom was one of his sons, and he was trying to overthrow David as being king. And there was a little coup d'etat going on here. And people were saying to David that, you know, God has rejected you, David, as king. That's why Absalom's getting this following and stuff. And so David's on the run. And here's what David says. My tears have been my food day and night. 
while people say to me all day long, where is your God? And then verse four, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. And he's going to tell us a couple things, but I just, I'm going to stop just for a second. I want each one of us to say these things I remember. Say that with me. These things I remember. I know, good. We'll do it one more time. These things I remember. Chris Tomlin has a song. It's called I Lift My Hands. Be still, there is a healer. His love is deeper than the sea. His mercy, it is unfailing. His arms are a fortress for the weak. Let faith arise, let faith arise. I will lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge, you are my strength. As I pour out my heart, these things I remember, you are faithful God forever. That's a great worship song. You've never listened to that. You need to listen to that today. And this is what David goes on to say. He says, How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Man, isn't that awesome? I'm getting all weepy up here. That's powerful. I'm preaching to myself, guys. (laughs) That's what happens when you get to be the the teacher each week. I've preached to myself three or four times this week getting ready for this message. Man, you can just feel what David's going through. It's awesome. He's commanding himself to remember. He's telling himself to remember these things because you know what? In the middle of distress, it's difficult to remember these things. We have to tell ourselves that God is faithful, that God is good. He's a good, good father because sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Our lives are difficult. Things happen. Put your hope in God. Even when things don't make sense, choose to do that now before you get into this type of situation. If you're in a situation now, I'm telling you, do it. Maybe you're saying to yourself, you know what, God, where are you? Where are you, God? I feel like you've left me. As you pour out your soul, remember the faithfulness of God in the past. That's what we have to do. That's what we have to do is remember God's faithfulness in the past. Lamentations 3, Jeremiah is writing this, and he's known as the weeping prophet, man. He used to complain a lot. If you've ever read Jeremiah, he's complaining all the time. But it was therapeutic for him. He needed to do it, and we needed to hear him do it too so that we had some reference. But he lays it all down the line in in this Lamentations 3. It says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I, rem- I will well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. You know, some people think that's disrespectful to, to talk to God like that, but God, he invites it. He wants us 
to pour out our heart in pain to him. But now look at what Jeremiah says, and this is really, really powerful. In verse 21, he says that yet, I love that word yet, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, we do say that a lot. And There's a song we sing. Did you know that where that came from? That was in the midst of Jeremiah in a troubled situation. And he was telling himself, new every morning is your compassions and your love. Great is your faithfulness. So why does he have hope? Why did that change for him? Because of God's great love. He, he said it right there to us. Because of God's great love, because of his great mercy, because of the hope that God gives us, he can say that. And did you see that he started talking about God and now he's talking to God? First he was talking about God, now he's talking to God and that changed everything. Think about your life, when, when has God been faithful to you? You know, sometimes we really need to think hard because a lot of times our mind goes to those things that haven't taken place yet or the prayers that have maybe gone unanswered for us. But if we make it a matter of prayer, God will reveal to us the times that he has been faithful. How has God been faithful to you? You know, pray about it. Write it down. Put it in a journal. It's easy for us to get, forget sometimes. <laughs> Maybe you remember when he forgave you and the weight of your sin was lifted. Each one of us can say that if you have a relationship with Jesus. At the very least, that's the thing that God has done for you in your life. Or maybe when God answered that prayer, that one prayer that you were praying, or maybe he healed a relationship that you thought was destroyed forever. And he healed that relationship because circumstances changed. Maybe you reached out. Maybe something happened. Who knows? Or maybe, remember when you were hurting and you felt all alone and he sent someone to encourage you. Now remember, that person had to listen to God too. So there's, there's a free will thing involved here. So if you ever feel impressed to go and encourage somebody, do it because you don't know if they're on the opposite side of this thing, right? We need to encourage one another. We need to heal relationships as we can control that. Or remember when you came to service one Sunday and you thought that I was reading your mail? And then, man, that message was just for you. You're like, Bob, what, um, you've been reading? Some stuff about me? No, no. That's God's faithfulness to you. I'm just, I say what God wants me to say. That's God's faithfulness to you. I remember when God healed my back. It was quite a few years ago now, and I've shared this story a couple times, so I'll get real quick. I was supposed to have surgery. I had to go temporary duty in California. I went there. I was there a week, and it was miserable. It was a six-week uh, TDY is what we call it. And I called Gene and I said, I, I don't think I can finish this training course. I can't sleep, I can't sit, I can't stand, I can't lay down. I am in pain, period. 
I can't get away from it. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And Jean said, well, you know what? Tonight, it was on a Sunday. She goes, you know, we're going to go for prayer tonight at, at, at church, and we'll, we'll pray about that. I'm like, absolutely. That's great. A little bit later, I, you know, lay down to bed, and I got a little comfortable, and I fell asleep. I woke up in the morning, and I did not have that pain no more. It was miraculous. I couldn't believe it. I called Jean. I'm like, I don't have the pain anymore. I can stay here for TDY. I can even go to an amusement park and go on roller coasters. I'm going to put God to the test and make sure that my back's good. And I did, actually, a couple weeks later. But that's another story. Miraculous. I came back, got x-rays. You don't need surgery. What happened? God healed me. You probably don't believe me, but I'm telling you, God healed me. You saw the pictures before and after, so that's it. You know, God gave me direction twice, another time when I remember his faithfulness when I was retiring from the Air Force. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea. It was the first time I had to look for a job in 20-something years. I was in the Air Force. What am I going to do? I don't know. You know, Air Force retirement's great, but it's not going to pay all the bills. I mean, it's nice, but what am I going to do? But I had a peace in my spirit. I didn't know what I was going to do, but God, I just was like, you know, God is faithful. He's going to take care of me, and he did got me a job. I had to to apply for it. I mean, it wasn't like I was sitting at home just doing nothing. You know, but through the process, God was faithful. Through me doing things and looking for a job, then one came and, and boom. And then that one didn't work out. But you know what was really cool? God gave me this job for five months so that I could get this other job was the one that he wanted for me, but it wasn't ready when I retired. Isn't that the faithfulness of God? Man, wow. That's awesome, God, that you gave me this, but you had something better for me down the road. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past. That's the first thing. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past. The second thing as you pour out your heart to God is trust in God's provision for your future. Trust in God's provision for your future. Once again, I'm going to run to the Psalms here. We're going to be in Psalm 102, and I'm going to read several different verses. Here, once again, the psalmist is at a low point in his life. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let, me, let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. Wow, getting bold here, aren't we? Yeah, he is. In my distress, I groan aloud, and I am reduced to skin and bones. I lie awake. I become like a bird alone on a roof. I don't quite get that, but it must not be good. (laughs) All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. But now we're going to get to it. Here's what's coming up next. Three words that change everything. But you, Lord. But you, Lord. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you have to say that. My life is falling apart, but you, Lord. Man, I don't have the ability. I feel so alone, but you, Lord. Man, I don't know what to do, but you, Lord. Let's see where he takes us. Verse 12, sit enthroned forever. 
your renown endures through all generations. Some of you today have to have a but you, Lord, moment. You have to cry it out. You have to pour out your heart. Maybe you're going to complain. You're going to be honest. You're just going to let it rip, and it's okay. That's where you are, and that's what you need to do here today, and we're going to have time to do that moving forward. God, I don't understand. Why am I going through all this stuff? Man, God, I don't like it. But you, Lord, that's the place where you need to get to today. But you, Lord, are enthroned forever. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's medical. But you, Lord, are my provider. But you, Lord, are my healer. Let's see how the psalmist continues. Verse 17, he says this. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. God has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. And he is faithful now in the present. You can trust him. You can trust God. I want to read verse 18. It's not in your notes. I didn't even put it down there, but I read it this morning. This is what verse 18 says. Let this be recorded for future generations so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. Wow. Let this be recorded for future generations because there's a people not yet born yet that are going to praise the Lord. That's fulfilled here today. Isn't that cool? Man, I love the Bible. It's awesome. Pour out your heart. Remember God's faithfulness in the past and trust his faithfulness for your future. We're going to move into a prayer time here in a minute, but I want you to grab your connection cards. We're going to read through the next steps. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. These next steps, we, we do the same number one every week. I'm going to begin following Jesus today. I don't know who's walked through these doors that maybe doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, so we offer that every week. Maybe that's you today. That's the mark. That's your next step. I need to be in this relationship with Jesus and understand what you're talking about, Bob. It sounds awesome. I need to be there. We'll pray for you here in a minute. I'm going to start pouring my heart out to God. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you haven't been honest in your prayer time because you don't want to offend God. It just doesn't seem, I don't know, doesn't seem holy or whatever. It's real. We're in a relationship with God. It's real. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your heart. Get Let it out. I need to remember God's faithfulness in the past. I made mention that sometimes it takes time, and it does. We are human. We look at the things that are negative all the time or what hasn't happened. We need to start remembering God's faithfulness and looking at the things that he has done for us in our lives. Maybe that's you here today. And then the last one, I need to trust God's power for my future. 
I need to trust God's power for my future. And so I'm going to pray right now, and then, and then we're going to move into a different time. We're going to end the service a little bit differently today. So, so pray with me, will you? Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for King David. Thank you for Jeremiah, for them just being honest and then recording it down so that we can understand the dynamic of our relationship with you just a little clearer here this morning. You encourage us to be honest, God, and to complain, pour out our hearts to you when things are good and when things are bad. You're such a good, good father. Now I pray for those that maybe have marked down that they want to follow you and be in relationship with Jesus today. If that's you, I'm, I'm going to pray this prayer over you and you just pray it with me. Father God, I thank you for Jesus, for sending him to, to die on the cross. I, I know I'm a sinner and I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And now I, I believe that the slate is wiped clean. I'm forgiven. Forgive me, I pray. Change me from the inside out. Help me in my life walk through the future with you helping guide, shape, and mold who I am as a person. You are faithful to do that. Do that in my life today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.